It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. Save every life you can, a reflection on leadership and saving lives during the COVID-19 pandemic, a new book by my guest, uh, Dr. Richard Stone, who is the former Deputy Surgeon General of uh, the Army and also led the Veterans Health Administration uh, in 2018. Uh, So let's uh, dive right in, Dr. Stone. Great to have you here. Those were tough times, uh, certainly for all Americans, but especially for military and veterans. Well, David, thank you so much. Nice to talk to you again. Uh, we've talked previously when I was the acting undersecretary of health at, uh, at the VA. You know, not many people recognize the fact that the VA is designated for the last 20 years as the backstop to the American health care system. And you've heard an awful lot uh, over the last few years since the pandemic started about public health and about uh, the politics of whether to cut down uh, the American economy. Um, in the midst of that, the American healthcare system was tested unlike it was ever tested in the last hundred years, frankly, since the great influenza. The VA's responsibility is to be the backstop when the American healthcare system is, uh, is overwhelmed. And more than 6,000 VA employees dispersed across the uh, United States to commercial systems, to uh, Native American systems into nursing homes to help in infection control. And what people don't recognize is that more than 250 of those government employees lost their lives uh, serving in support of this effort. And so this is a story of the people, the VA. This is the story of uh, what it took to, uh, to make a big bureaucracy work while politics was rampant and uh, why this organization worked like it did. You know, I was the first uh, combat veteran uh, that has led the VA in 30 years. And uh, part of this book is reflections on leadership of what were the experiences that I learned in uh, in combat in more than two and a half decades of uh, service to the nation in uniform that allowed uh, me to build a team that made this system work. When you look at the ramp up the challenge you know how to get ready to take on something that hit overnight in a sense with COVID-19 how did the VA do this how how you know what was it what was it like to make sure that this worked and then to deploy I mean whether it was out to uh you know one Indian nation or another uh that had to be done as well coordinating with different bureaucracies couldn't have been easy and while there were people willing to do it, knowing the risks they'd take, somehow you had to get it done. So, David, this was the first time uh, in my career that uh, I couldn't just order people to do things. When I was in uniform, um, I could order a soldier to do something, and they just did it. Um, this was the first time the VA had encountered a situation uh, that was still actively involving and therefore was at risk. What was amazing was the willingness of VA employees to engage in this and to volunteer. We had an extraordinary uh, backlog of of employees who were willing to go forward into harm's way. 
Let me give you an example of a couple of these things. Traditionally, the VA responds after a hurricane, after an earthquake. Uh, We responded after the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando uh, a number of years ago uh, when so many people were killed by a single shooter. Um, We deployed 47 psychologists in a matter of 12 hours that were on the ground with federal law enforcement, helping families reunite with their deceased loved ones. That kind of work is after the fact. And although it's gut-wrenching and difficult, it doesn't place employees at risk. But getting the VA ready is done by a Office of Emergency Management that is led by extraordinarily experienced people. And I was blessed with a team that had worked extensively on 9-11 on the debris pile uh, in, uh, in New York City. Uh, That leadership was actually called me in December of 2019 and and said, we have a problem. There's something going to happen here. And we began preparing in December of 19. We deployed our first personnel uh, regarding the the cruise ships that were beginning to unload into military bases uh, in order to unload Department of Defense um, in March of 2020. But then we went on to perform literally hundreds of missions in support of state governors, as well as in support of tribal leaders. Uh, And frankly, infection control problems that occurred in elder care environments resulted that had resulted in massive death uh, across uh, elder care communities uh, were one that uh, we took on because of our expertise in this area. You know, the VA operates a very substantial elder care um, delivery systems because of the large number of elderly veterans. And we have more than 8,000 beds that are occupied by elderly veterans. Uh, we operate them quite a bit differently than commercial health care. And um, we found our death rate from COVID dramatically lower than in the commercial system. And we therefore provided expertise, sometimes for periods of weeks or months, in order to help systems through. And you can remember some of the problems in Hawaii as well as in New Jersey that occurred with massive uh, elder death uh, that we helped um, resolve. For those older veterans, and this is, you know, the story that you're telling in this book is one that has not been talked about much uh, from this level, of course, you being in charge, but also not discussed in the media for the public to consume. So this is this is a great effort by you and something that's needed. Uh, the challenges within the VA is such a large system, the people that went out to do it. And you just mentioned, you know, New Jersey, for example, Hawaii and other areas where the VA, like every state, takes care of the elderly. What was it like to coordinate locally uh, with those state officials? How how effective was it? Because there were a lot of questions and stories, and I, you know, we can't ignore, say, New York, where thousands were put back into nursing homes, elder, the most vulnerable, and thousands were killed. No, David, I think you're exactly right, and and this is part of the recommendations of this book is some very serious reflection on what should this country do differently when the next pandemic hits. Look, uh, let's hope it's not another 100 years, um, or let's hope it is another 100 years. But if it's not, um, how does this country enter into a dialogue that allows us to mature our response to this? 
there is no communication system that allows civilian healthcare systems that are overwhelmed to communicate with the federal delivery system that is responsible for their backup. We were often working from personal cell phones and cell phone numbers and relationships between people and communities. There needs to be a communication system. There needs to be a robust missioning system. Most uh, civilian healthcare leaders in New York had no idea how to get a hold of their governor's office and activate their system that would request by a request from the governor to the president of the United States for support. And I had little tolerance uh, for waiting for days while patients died in hallways of emergency rooms or in nursing homes while we waited for approval to do missions. This country needs to fundamentally reexamine its emergency health response. And you have heard, frankly, uh, an overwhelming voice of public health from the CDC. But what you haven't heard is what happened in hospitals, what happened in the federal delivery system, what went well, what should be changed, how do we change the, the manufacturing of pharmaceuticals to assure that Americans are protected? How do we change the, um, the generation of materials that are consumed, uh, what we call PPE, uh, materials that are consumed during a pandemic? Uh, most of that came from Asia. I had to enlist the support of an American entrepreneur who flew FedEx airplanes in uh, to the state of New Hampshire. Uh, in order for me to get supplies to continue running. To me, that is a national security threat, and I make some pretty tough recommendations um, as part of this book of what this country needs to do to really uh, go through and decide uh, what it wants to be when we do this again. So far, I think the dialogue remains in almost solely in the public health space. Well, one of the challenges, of course, Dr. Stone, to get it, in a sense, away from the politicians and into the public health space more by those who are capable of making the decisions. We can't deny the politics of this. I know you do not in, in the book you talk about this. Again, you make tough recommendations there. But is there a path for that to, to get to the point where the decisions are made based on evolving information, available science, policy decisions? Yeah, I think, I think there is, David. I think, uh, and this is the key question. Um, I think the way you do this is the same manner that we matured national security uh, using the National Security Council. You could develop either a subarm of the National Security Council to debate and to work these areas. You should absolutely strengthen the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness in HHS uh, to give authority as a first amongst many um, to uh, make sure that the federal response system can make decisions very quickly. Um, we can provide through the what we call the ASPR, the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness, through the ASPR's office, that strengthening uh, could allow the development of uh, those exercises, just like the military exercises, contingency scenarios, that needs to be done across this nation. We cannot emerge into another pandemic or another public health threat and have failed to really tackle these areas. 
Yeah, I mean, in many ways, it seems as if one of our biggest challenges is our organization. Uh, and, of course, we'll have to adapt to the, the, the situation, the virus, whatever that happens to be. And we have seen this before, like you uh, intonated. I hope we don't see this again for some time. We will, however, and we do need to be ready. Uh, the book is Save Every Life You Can, a reflection on leadership and saving lives during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, you know, maybe you ought to, edition number two comes out, subtitle it, Tough Recommendations Inside, Pay Attention. David, thank you so much for giving me this time, and so nice to hear your voice again. Great to talk to you as well. Dr. Richard Stone, someone who has not only served our country uh, in uh, the military, but also as Deputy Surgeon General of the United States Army and was the executive in charge and acting undersecretary of the VA uh, as we dealt with COVID, among many other issues. Thank you, Dr. Stone. Really appreciate your work and your advice in your book. Uh, Well done. Well written. Thank you, David. Join me live on The David Webb Show, Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east, on Sirius XM Patriot 125.